Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Catherine Whittaker and myself, David Law, are here ahead of the ATP World Tour Finals at the O2 and the Fed Cup Final. It is going to be a cracking week or so of tennis. We are going to be heavily represented at the O2 Arena. Student Matt, stroke grad Matt, stroke, I don't know, out in the real world Matt, is there at the O2 Arena right now, Catherine. Tennis podcast Matt. Yeah, tennis podcast Matt. And he's got his own official desk and he's been at the media day today and we're going to hear all about that. So he's going to be there every day. Uh, we've, we've been speaking already for this podcast to Simon Briggs, who's interviewed Novak Djokovic exclusively for our partners at The Telegraph. You're going to be hearing some of that chat. Really interesting to hear from Djokovic, really opening up to Simon in the back of a big van in Paris. Quite quite the scene. Sounds like they've been kidnapped. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it sounds a bit like that. And it sounds like one of those movie scenes where, whilst captive, they suddenly start to sort of open up to one another. You know, guard and kidnappy does that does that make any sense yeah there's a word for that isn't there i don't know stockholm syndrome where you fall in love with your captor oh my goodness so that's what happens <laughs> uh, you can read all about that article as well that simon has written but you'll actually hear from novak Djokovic. We'll, we'll ask simon what it was like spending some time with novak Djokovic as well we're going to hear from charlie eccleshare also of the telegraph who was in milan at the uh, the next gen finals which is just entering the semi-final stages right now but it is bubbling up very nicely the draw has been made we talked about it last week that it would be on the one show and Boris Becker did turn up he was there um and uh, it's all very exciting isn't it Catherine do you want me to tell you who's in the groups yeah that was that, that did amuse me that whole edition of the one show really did tickle me you know, Boris Becker's out there then uh, then some bloke came on that had swum around the United Kingdom and he and Boris seemed to have backstage become sort of best mates and then uh, then they go to they throw to a really hard-hitting feature about um prison guards in <laughs> uh, in uk prisons and then they come out of that feature and jerry armstrong is sat on the sofa with boris becker on the one show jerry armstrong on the one show new, I, new I wimbledon like referee was, jerry armstrong felt like i was in the twilight zone a little bit mm. um 
I mean, it was it was great, an absolute coup for the tournament. Yeah, um, three million yeah, in people in terms of exposure. So that, that's amazing, great audience, and and yes, Jerry Armstrong, incidentally, and a lot of a lot of tennis fans now uh, educated about um, prison guarding yeah. in the UK in and a way that they once weren't. First time I've seen the one show in eight years. Uh, so uh, yeah, now I know what that's all about these days without Adrian Charles in it. But yeah, Jerry Armstrong, as I was just saying, uh, has been announced today as the Wimbledon referee starting in 2020, taking over from the retiring Andrew Jarrett. So a bit of news there. So it's all happening. Uh, bit big week for Jerry. Yes, yeah, he, he's had his moment in the sun. <laughs> bit different to when he shared a, a bungalow with me in Umag, Croatia, in 2000. Are you now? Are you now name dropping Jerry Armstrong, yeah, David? I do like a name now that drop. he's now that he's been on the one show. I've had he's qu- worthy of a name drop. I've had quite the week for name dropping, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, no, we're not getting onto that yet, David. Let's talk about actual tennis. Oh, all right then. Okay, let's name drop about people that I haven't met um, or haven't met for quite some time. The groups in the ATP. The NITO, Let's give it the right name. The NITO ATP World Tour Finals are. They're separated. I think it's just the NITO ATP finals now. Oh, is isn't it? it? Oh, yes, it is. Right, okay. I think so, yeah. So uh, they've been divided into two groups the Guga Curtain group and the Leighton Hewitt group. So we're going back to the early 2000s when obviously Roger Federer was still playing. And actually, of course, Leighton Hewitt is still playing. Um, and they've been divided thus. In one group, you have Kevin Anderson, Dominic Team, Roger Federer, and Kane Shikuri. Uh, and in the other group, you have uh, Alexander Zverev, Marin Cilic, Novak Djokovic, and John Isner. Early takeaways from those groups, Catherine. Um, well, um, yeah, I mean, once once Nadal withdrew moments after the last tennis podcast was um, recorded. Oh, yeah, that went down well. Um, once he withdrew, the real major point of intrigue around the draw was gone, wasn't it? Because it was all about whether um, Djokovic and Federer would be drawn in the same group, which was possible when Nadal was in. But now Nadal's out, they're the top two seeds, so they were always going to be drawn in separate groups. And it is all about those two, isn't it? I mean, I haven't heard anybody remotely picking anyone other than those two. So... um yeah, uh, it, it, it's interesting enough. I don't have any sort of major talking points to throw at you from the draw. Djokovic is obviously in a group full of big servers, all of whom I think he'll take care of pretty handily. Federer team is perhaps the individual matchup I'm most looking forward to from the group stages. Um, but that's, yeah, that, that's all I've got for you. I think I'm rather more, more upbeat about it. Um, you... I'm not downbeat. No, all right. Well, no more than usual. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, as usual, I'm the more upbeat <laughs> of the two of us over this particular issue. Um, the, the fact is that I, I'm just pleased that Djokovic has been chucked in with the big servers rather than Team and Nishikori, personally. I think that that's a more interesting matchup for him, just to have somebody who... who hits big against him rather than Nishikori, who he just seems to handle so easily every time. I don't know about but you. So does Federer handle Nishikori so easily yeah, every time? That's, that's a fair point. <laughs> Nishikori is not entering this tournament with great head turns. No, you're bringing me down um, to your level. Sorry, oh, sorry. Uh, i tell you what, what is interesting as well, just statistically, the head-to-head on the first day, 
Uh, well, the first two days, all the four matches have got seriously lopsided head-to-heads because you've got Anderson's team opens up um, the the play on Sunday. At two. Which is really heavily in favour of Anderson, yeah, isn't six it? Two, that 6-2. Yep. And then you've got Federer and Ishikori is 7-2. You've got on Monday, I, I think this is probably the most surprising one, Zverev 5, Chilich 1. And then you've got Djokovic 8, isn't it, 2. So they're all very heavily one-sided I mean what do you think looking at those two groups and the, the other thing is I think it's Anderson is a slightly more interesting player just because we haven't seen him in this environment before he's a debutante maybe isn't as well to some degree but I kind of feel like Anderson this is life goal achieved really career goal at the very least to get to this sort of stage and and I think he he might really produce um I don't know I think he yeah might come I, through I that think group. I think he'll come through that group as well. Isner, incidentally, um, uh, Gradmat is reporting that Isner's assessment to the court at the O2 is that it's medium-paced, um, which sounds l- l- faster than faster than the US Open yeah. to me. Yeah, and faster um, than previous sure years, anyone- maybe. Yeah, fast. Well, mind you, he's never experienced. No, it. it's been quite quick in previous years. So yeah, he's never experienced. Um, so yeah, and I think that's pretty good news for Kevin Anderson, really. Um, a medium pace court and although on paper Dominic team is playing some pretty good tennis um I would maybe have before seeing the draw picked him to come through his group uh I the fact he's in with Federer and that he faces Kevin Anderson against whom he has a woeful head-to-head given their respective rankings you'd expect it to be pretty even um I think I've got Federer and Anderson coming through that group Mm. Um, and I think Kevin Anderson could be uh, could be very dangerous yeah. this week. I don't. I'm not picking him to win it, <laughs> but but I, I I can imagine stranger scenarios than than Kevin Anderson winning the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't imagine him winning the tournament. I could I could maybe see him winning that group. Um, the Federer match Beat, is beating be Roger Federer. Yeah, well, he's beaten him before. Yeah. Uh, his most recent tennis memory, I think, against Roger Federer is beating him at Wimbledon, isn't it? So uh, that will help. But quite interesting, you mentioned uh, Grad Matt at the media day and, and he was there for, for, for Federer. And talking about the scheduling, I found it quite interesting what Federer's had to, to say today about the scheduling, that all that stuff that, that certainly I, I think I felt, probably you felt last year about the breaks he was taking him, doing him good and him being able to come into these events fresh and win them all. He's now starting to realise probably because he hasn't been winning as much and the breaks have become even longer, that he's actually benefited from the back-to-back nature of what he's had in the last couple of weeks in Basel and Paris. His body has pulled up okay, and he's actually feeling good because he's played a lot of matches. So, yeah, I, I, I find that quite interesting and, and, and think he, he is probably certainly in the best place he's been physically and mentally since the start of the year. Yeah, I think so. It certainly sounds like it. Um, and if he does continue the role and perhaps even grow in momentum, possibly even beat Djokovic, um, I am picking Djokovic to win the title, but it's not beyond the realms that that could happen this week, then he'll be another one to put in the category of don't go on holiday. <laughs> Just keep keep playing tennis. I have a feeling Federer will go on holiday and uh, I suspect it might be quite a nice holiday. Perfectly timed um, holiday. But yeah, it's not... <laughs> it, it, it's not 
in the bigger picture, it's not the best time of year to be to be finding a rhythm, is it? You you want to have sort of a one off brilliant week, but you don't want to be feeling like you're growing towards something. I mean, it's all good, isn't it? You take it rather than feeling like you're playing absolutely shoddy tennis. But still, it must be frustrating. But he's it's amazing that he's obviously still learning about himself and his body. And, and Federer of this year is obviously very, very different to Federer of last year. What made Federer of last year work was how perfectly he pitched his scheduling and how sparsely he pitched his scheduling. And the same thing let's be honest, aside from the very start of the year, hasn't worked so much this year because he's needed, he's been searching. He's been searching for something that he can only find through playing. Um, And that's been tricky for him, I think, really, really tricky. But I think it's amazingly, at his age, been a learning curve. Um, And, you know, injuries permitting... um, could stand him in good stead next year. But, I, I suppose your body uh, in any two years are not necessar- is not necessarily the same equipment that you're dealing with, really, is it? In in terms of the 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 aches and pains you might have, the wear and tear, and and how you're feeling. Some years you might need more time off. Sometimes you need to play more because you haven't had enough matches. And I think that's what he's experienced, even at the ripe old age that he is right now. Um, yeah. So, what about the other group? Who, who's coming through that? We, we both, I, I'm, Djokovic is coming through that, David. Yeah, at the top. Uh, but what about yep. the rest? Zverev, uh, Chilich, so and Isner. Zverev, Chilich, and Isner. Well, the Zverev, Chilich um, head-to-head is fascinating. Um, but I don't know. He's talking about this. It sounds like this. He, he just doesn't sound in the right headspace to me. Um Sasha Zverev. Um, he's had a lot on his shoulder. He says uh, the injury's been building up over the European indoor swing. Um, was at its worst in Paris. He took a few days off, and it feels better now. But I don't know. I wasn't there in the room when he said that, like Grad Matt was. But that doesn't sound an emphatic. I'm a hundred percent, and I'm ready to fight for this. To me, um, so whether there's enough left in the tank for Zverev, I don't know. I think Isner could come through it. You know. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think he could, uh, but I also think Chilich could come through it. I, I really feel that that is open between those three. Uh, the thing is, though, on the basis of that head-to-head against Zverev, you have to pick Zverev to beat Chilich. You definitely pick Djokovic to beat Chilich. So then Chilich has got maximum one win. I, I'm not sure I would pick Isner over Chilich because I think the the record for Chilich is is pretty healthy as I as I recall. I'll try and bring that up just to to check it. But I mean, I I think the bigger concern for Chilich is this um, is this run he's had of of throwing away leads. Um, and I'm not going to get into the one he had against Djokovic because we've had that out. But certainly we, we've we've had many other occasions over the course of the last year where he's really wobbled when he's in, been in trouble. 7-3 is the head-to-head record in favour of Marin Cilic over John Isner, although Isner won their most recent match, the only one they've played this year in Miami. Ooh. Yeah, and I feel like any... Uh, I don't know. I uh, I feel like... Anybody walking onto court, even in even at the moment with with Marin Cilic, you can practically feel the weight of the baggage yeah, he's carrying can. onto court. And anybody, even on a bad day, a top player, which they all are at the O2, stepping onto court against Marin Cilic, they know all they've got to do is make it close and put pressure on him, and they will have chances. You mm. you know you will because because he's he's so 
frail at the moment. You know, as soon as you see that leg jiggling <laughs> over the service line, you think, oh, Marin, um, go and see a sports psychologist or something. Because at the moment, the baggage is just accumulating and accumulating and he's in a baggage, vicious baggagey circle he won his first six matches against isner and isner has won three of the last four that's an interesting mm. stat isn't it i don't like the sound of any of that for chilich i would back isner over chilich but yeah i think you might but, be right there i i i think i'm going to go isner as well i, I i'm crikey i am going to go isner because i just think because i've he, talked you into yeah, it yeah you apparently. kind of have talked me into it <laughs> Um, and and I I, t- I do feel that it's, you're right about Zverev. He sounds ratty at the moment. Mm, and he's had a pop at Sitsipas, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. Uh, just to give you a bit of insight, we'll, we're talking to Charlie Eccleshare about the next gen uh, finals a little later. But he's been in the company of Stefano Sitsipas this week in Milan, and he was reporting on Sitsipas's comments about the towel rail that, that they've used at the next gen finals, which is you know designed to to mean that the ball kids don't have to bring the towel to them every time they want it Sitsipas says I don't like it it's their job to to bring us the, the towel um and you know it speeds things up etc etc Zverev asked about it today has said I don't agree with that at all but you're asking the wrong sort of player because I don't use the towel very much um and he actually named I think he named Meow. I think he named Sitsipas and TFO as players that use it a lot uh, and he said, yeah, he says, Sitsabas takes a towel after an ace or a double fault. So, yeah, he's, there's a nice bit of aggro developing between those two. And it, it, it kind yeah. of all seems one way because Sitsabas just sort of says what he thinks about things and Zverev has a bit of a pop at it. Yeah, Sitsabas isn't worrying about anyone else in the way that the others are worrying about him. Um, which is the best way to respond to... I'd, I was going to say bullying there. I don't think what Zverev said in, is bullying. I, I, I think the impression I get is some of what goes down is pretty close to bullying, certainly in in tennis circles. But I, I don't think he gives two hoots, which is brilliant. Um, and, yeah, a real testament to him. I, 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 I'm very interested about whether... I don't know him well enough... I don't mean on a personal level. I don't know on a personal level at all. But I don't know enough of him to know whether he has that Andy Murray contrarian thing in him, and that partly sparked his comments about the towel rail or the towel box, because everyone just thought that was one of the slam dunk rule changes, rule experiments, didn't they? Everyone just unilaterally getting behind it and going, "Yeah, well, this is just you know, uh, uh, this is a no brainer. Of course, this is a brilliant thing." And he sort of said, "Hang on a second. Um, here are my very reasoned, considered um, points as to why it, it's not a great thing. I don't, yeah, so I don't know whether that is partly motivated by a contrarian streak, um, but it, it, he's nothing if not a thinker. I, I happen to disagree with him. I really do think that, I don't think it's part of the ball boy's job. I think uh, the towel rail or box needs to be closer to, to where the players are. They are having to walk quite a distance to retrieve the towel every time. I think it could be made a little more convenient. Mm. But um, apart from that, um, I disagree with him. But I'm I'm pleased he's prepared to say well, it. Well, isn't it nice to, to have players that are not bland? And Zverev has come yeah. out swinging and he's been doing it a lot. It seems to be his 
his way of being. He, he, he answers straightforward questions with blunt, sometimes slightly rude answers. Um, and I like that. Uh, yeah, he didn't like being asked about whether Lendl has asked him to play closer to the baseline. No, I've had this question a lot, especially from Brits. Just because he told Andy to do it doesn't mean he's going to tell me. I have big swings and I need room to do that. It's quite a good, I mean, it's a pretty decent breakdown of why he yeah. isn't going to do that, isn't it? Although I still think but, he is going to have issues reaching the level he wants to reach if he doesn't do that. But And I do think there's an element of semantics in that answer as well, because he does admit, he said, yes, Lendl tells me to be more aggressive. So, I mean, that has to mean stepping in, doesn't it? Yes. Unless you're Rafael Nadal, well, which think, he, he is not physically No, but Rafael I think that Nadal. that would be his his wider point, is that I, I need to be more aggressive, but I need to do it with those swings that, rather than changing yeah, the swing. Yeah, so, you know, balance. So he's, mm. he's never going to be able to, you know, stand right into court. But, yeah, I think I think he's just being punchy, isn't he? Yeah. I think essentially, yes, Lendl does want him to step in a bit more, mm. making allowance for the swings, but he just doesn't want to admit that what the journalists are asking is is on the money. Yeah, I'd, actually, you, you asked about whether Sitsipas might be a contrarian like Andy Murray. I, I'd say that Zverev is more of yeah. that ilk. I actually yeah, think, think Sitsipas so. is just somebody who dances to the beat of his own drum and he just, you know, it doesn't really give a toss. <laughs> what anybody no, else yeah, thinks or any I don't think he reads anybody else's views I think he just considers an issue and comes up with his own which uh, which I quite like um yeah so we'll hear from Charlie about him he and Diminor are both in the semi-finals the top two seeds along with Andre Rublev and I can't even remember who the fourth one is um it's uh the Jaume Muna yes, uh, who I saw play the other day but I forgot his name so thank you Catherine um so yeah I, you've talked me into it. I'm going to go for for Isner as well um, as as Federer. Are you so as as Djokovic rather in that group? Are, are you sticking with that? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. So we're in total agreement. Who'd have thought it? The yeah. Guga Curtain group is going to be John Isner and Novak Djokovic coming through, and the Leighton Hewitt group is Federer and Anderson. Is what we say. What do you think? At Tennis Podcast, let us know. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. The doubles groups are going to be... Let's just bring this up. We've got uh, the Knowles and Nestor group with Kubot and Mello, Herbert and Mahu, uh, Mike Bryan and Jack Sock because Bob Bryan's injured. Uh, we've got Marak and Pavic uh, as the other the other pair in there. And then the Lodra and Santoro group is Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez who start the afternoon session on Sunday. Uh, Cabal and Farah. Uh, Mektich and Payer and Klaassen and Venus. So who, whichever you get in terms of your ticket, you, you're pretty much guaranteed to get good doubles matches um, before those singles. And uh, and it's a great experience, the whole thing. So I have no idea who's coming through all that lot, Catherine. <laughs> have you? Nope. No. Nope. Right. I'm going to go for, let's see, I'll give you my winner as of no, the we're tournament. we're not doing double. Come on, we're not doing double. Yeah, we are. You can't put me on the... Herbert and Mahu are going to no. win the whole thing. There you go. Great. Yeah. Who are you okay. going for? I, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't even got it. No. I object to the question. Okay. All right. Okay. She'll come I'll back have to a close, that one. I'll have a closer look at it and let you know um, on a podcast coming soon okay Catherine Whittaker there um incidentally the uh the ATP awards were announced today and we, we were talking about two two blokes there um Kevin Anderson and Marin Cilic don't feature in the awards anywhere kind of feel like they both deserve just cracking good bloke awards don't you yeah the awards are irrelevant though I'm just so uninterested in those awards oh. but but Precisely because of the reason that you just posed to me. The fact that they're not winning any kind of sportsmanship or lovely bloke awards. Yeah. You know. Roger Federer didn't it, get the it, sportsmanship it's award. It's a mockery, isn't it? 14 times Federer's got the sportsmanship award, uh, the Stefano Berg award. And it, but, it, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't know, who was that bloke they gave an Oscar to for what was actually quite a rubbish performance, but it was sort of a cumulative Oscar um, can't remember if it was a bit like that you know because Nadal was no better a sportsman this year than any of his other exemplary sportsmanship years and Federer was no worse yes so yeah, it point. just feels a bit like oh you have a turn well I'll tell you one, one award that was good was the, it was the ATP 500 Tournament of the Year award which went to the Fever Tree Championships <laughs> at Queen's Club oh well they're, sorry they're not an irrelevant no sorry. not that one anyway that one's fantastic <laughs> no. that one's brilliant yeah Oh, stitched us right up oh, well. there. Sorry, David. That's all right. I'll let it go. Uh, everybody knows I'm biased. Um, there were one or two other. I mean, Djokovic got comeback player of the year. You'd expect that. Sitsipas got yeah. newcomer. Um, yeah. Actually, no, he got... Did he get most improved? Uh, and then there was Diminor who's got one of those two as well. I can't remember which one. Um, so, yeah, no no great surprises. Um, but, yeah, those were announced today. And people getting very aerated on, on social media about uh, who has and hasn't got the sportsmanship award. But anyway, that's, that's by the by. Uh, 
Anything else to report from Media Day from student Matt that we should tell you about? Oh, yes. Uh, Novak Djokovic has, has revealed that the Saudi Arabia uh, exhibition is off because Nadal is having surgery. So that's all we learned about it, but it's not happening. He's having surgery? Nadal is, yeah. He's having he? ankle surgery, yeah. Minor ankle surgery. In fact, I think he's Minor had it already. Surgery. Yeah. Um, A floating bone in his which- ankle. It is. I mean, Djokovic must be mighty relieved by that turn of events. It's a shame that it's not off for for more principled reasons. Um, but you know, but I suspect it perhaps is off for more principled reasons. But this is a, a way to uh, disguise that with minimal fanfare without um, annoying Saudi Arabians too much. Because it's you know, it's still six weeks away that exhibition, isn't it? Mm. So he could potentially be fit to play. Certainly you don't need to be at full fitness for, for exhibition tennis. Um, so maybe there is more principle going into it, but in order not to enrage uh, Saudi Arabian state officials, mm. <laughs> uh, the injury is a convenient um, cover for the announcement. Which, to be fair, I wouldn't necessarily want to enrage state, Saudi Arabian state officials either. No. No, so, there we go. Neither. Anyway, we'll hear from Novak Djokovic in a little while, but let's just have a little word about the Fed Cup final, which, when we were speaking on Monday, looked massively one-sided, Catherine, in the favour of the Czech Republic, until today, when Petra Kvitova got ill. So, Karolina Pliskova is already out. Uh, Petra Kvitova has now fallen ill, and she's made herself unavailable for the opening singles rubbers. Um, so, we now are left with Barbara Stritseva against Sofia Ken, in uh Katarina Siniakova against Alison Risk who incidentally is the the number three ranked American player in this tie but she's the only one who's played any Fed Cup rubbers at all she's only played a couple of singles rubbers and she did so by beating Andrea Petkovic at the start of last year in the match against Germany and then Daniel Collins who's the number one ranked American is not actually playing singles she's in the doubles alongside Melikar against Kretschkova and Siniakova. So those are you, that's your lineup. I mean, it ends up being, I mean, yeah, Stritzova's experience, Siniakova's played a bit, but it really does even it up a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it also depletes it in terms of, you know, the headlines it's going to be able to grab, which is a shame. It was always, you know, it's hamstrung from the start by the American team selection, um, but or well, the Americans that made themselves available. So, yeah, it evens, evens it up, potentially makes it more competitive. But how many people will notice that competitiveness uh, is is another question. But, you know, I, I, I take the point about certainly the American team not having the Williams sisters and Stevens, for instance, in the team. That takes away global interest, certainly American interest, because of the, the star names that they are. I don't think the rest of it, I don't think Kvitova and Pliskova will elevate the platform that it is on. I don't think that they will get oh, eyeballs on this time. They, it's the Fed Cup final. They would. I don't think so. Of course they would. With who? They're superstars. It's being played in Prague, David. They're superstars. They might be superstars in the Czech Republic. I don't think people are not going to come from the Czech Republic to support their country in the Fed Cup final because Kvitova is ill. I really don't. But it, it's everybody knows big names grab headlines, you know, in order to 
I, to get I don't this. think so in in a national competition like this when Wayne Wayne Rooney doesn't play the World Cup I don't think England stop being supported by their fans and I think that in a country like the Czech Republic where no I'm talking about international eyeballs I don't think people are that bothered internationally on news desks about Patrick Kvitova's participation in this tie. They're more bothered than they are about Bob Bora Stritzova's, though. It's all relative. I mean, yeah, they're, they're not as bothered about either of them as they would be about Serena Williams or Sloane Stephens even. Um, but they are more bothered than they are about Stritzova. Maybe, m- marginally. I, I just don't think a Fed Cup final, I don't think it makes that much difference. I think if it was a Wimbledon final, yes. Maybe, um, maybe. It's, it's a, whether a great or a small shame, it is still a shame. It's certainly a shame. It's a shame she's ill, but hopefully she gets better and can play a part. I actually think as a tie... It now becomes fascinating. Okay, on a on a localized basis, certainly within those countries, but for the tennis nerd, if you like, the person who is going to watch it, regardless of who's in it, I think it could be a cracking contest as a result of this. You know, the, the, these players could be certainly people like Risk and uh, Kennan and and Collins. This could be just absolutely career defining for them, couldn't it? Yeah, maybe, hmm. maybe. If they win, uh, but anyway, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious now. Anyway, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens. It's a shame some of the other Americans are not there. Uh, it really is. But uh, anyway, that that's to come. Uh, Fed Cup final over over this weekend. We will follow with interest and keep you updated in our what we hope are going to be daily shows from the O2. Um, now I mentioned Novak. Djokovic, who is obviously the man of the moment at the, in terms of men's tennis just at this point in time. He's won everything since he finally got his form back. And then that took him to the Wimbledon title, the US Open title. He went from number 22 in the world as he entered the Fever Tree Championships at Queen's. We saw him there. He reached the final. And he's gone from there to world number one at the end of this year. Um, and... Simon Briggs from The Telegraph went over to see him in Paris, got into a, a van with him, had a good old chat, and started by asking if he'd felt guilty for having to give in and have surgery to that elbow. I did. Yeah? Not not anymore. I did. Really? I did feel like for months... Like, like you, you'd, almost, you'd almost gone against your, your yeah. beliefs. No, I, I mean, I, I cried after... I mean, I, after I had the surgery, I just cried for, for two, three days. Like... Every time I would think about what I did, I felt like I failed myself. Yeah. Because I, 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 it's not like I made a promise to myself that I'm not never going to do a surgery, but I, it felt mm. like that. It I felt can see like how it would not fit with your, with your yeah. approach to life. No, exactly, exactly. But I think it was a call that I had to make between okay, am I, if I really want to, to do this in a sort of say natural way and really take time to heal and really you know, allow my body to, you know, I guess, take care of everything. I just had to take more time because that's how it is. But I, uh, I feel like I was not ready to take another six months, 12 months or whatever. I was just, uh, I was like, okay, I, I need to get back on the court and compete. And that was a compromise. And that was mm. something that uh, had to be decided and done mm. in order for me to come back quick, you know, more quickly on the court. Mm. So, so I, I, I I, I did 
think about that a lot before I made my call and then I just said okay you know I have to deal with it and I, I, I don't want it. but there is one thing I, I, I really never want to carry with myself is regret for mm. anything in life mm. so there was one point I, because I was feeling guilty for you know maybe a month or two after the surgery since March uh, February, February March yeah 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 March April I was and then and then I, there was one point where I just like okay Right now, I just I just have to accept that what's done, it's done, and you can't affect it. You can't reverse time to, you know, change events. It was done consciously. I consciously made this decision, and I don't have pain, so this is something I have to uh, focus on and be grateful for, rather than thinking why am I, you know, why did I, uh, you know, make. A, decision to get on a surgery in the first place or whatever 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 and I didn't want to be trapped in that emotion if you mm, know what I mean I so so I just I just embraced the fact that it is what it is that's it and uh, and and that I can always choose to be grateful rather than res resentful I did burn out I felt like I'm never gonna get myself to that to that stage honestly I was saying to everyone I, I just I was surprised that I got <laughs> I got burned out emotionally. Yeah, I was I was because happened. I would I thought it would never happen because <laughs> I never have an issue to motivate myself for tennis because I love to play tennis. I mm. love to hold mm. the racket. I never need to force myself to play it. Mm. But there was a difference with playing and competing. Yeah, okay. When I start when I started to hear the score and I needed to compete and needed to travel to tournaments, that's where I felt something didn't switch on. I, that's where I felt empty. Yeah, and I felt like I felt uh, I felt for the first time in my career, I felt struggle to be there and to compete and to like, what am I doing here? That's that's the kind of a feeling. So, Catherine Novak Djokovic there with Simon Briggs really opening up. It was almost I think probably as insightful a three minutes as I've heard from Novak Djokovic since he's been on the scene. Yeah, but, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I, I, I love hearing audio when they're not doing a radio or TV interview. I love that unguarded feel. There's something about as, as brilliant as, as Simon's write-up is of that interview. And I haven't seen the, um, the supplement that's out tomorrow as we record, but that's all brilliant. But that I prefer hearing it spoken. It sort of it has more impact hearing it spoken than than seeing the the transcription of those words somehow. If that if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, the thought of Novak Djokovic sort of crying for three, for three days straight. You know, you don't you don't hear that about that kind of vulnerability from these superheroes. Um, and I'm pleased he felt able to say it. it must be something about Simon's sort of soothing lulling um tone um and yeah I, I think it's a shame that he felt that having surgery was some kind of defeat um and I wonder if that that you know if is fed by some sort of you know the sort of toxic max masculinity thing of you know asking for help is some kind of defeat some kind of failure i don't i don't know i don't i don't know him well enough but i think it's a sh i think there's plenty i don't think it's strange for men to feel that way um but i 
it's a shame that he felt that way. It's, you know, it's the the strongest, bravest decision to to make. Um, but yeah, hearing him talk about it is is fascinating. My, my sense was that the that was probably coming more from his sort of view that the body just should heal itself and that he doesn't believe in all this sort of thing. I, I remember once that. Jen- well, that's just that's just balls isn't it well i, mean, I remember james blake once saying that, that james blake once said that he doesn't he doesn't like having painkillers at all and he refuses to take them um he wants to feel the pain and what his body is going through he doesn't want it masked which is quite interesting yeah i i, I get that that's different i mean the pain is the body's way of telling you that something's wrong you know pain has pain has a value i i get that but Masking pain and treating a condition are two very different uses of modern medicine, mm. and neither is wrong. But I can more understand the one, the 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 reluctance in, in uh, use of one than than the other. I suppose if you I mean, if you've never had a surgery and to this point your body has already always just sorted itself out. I suppose it. it yeah, but that's aging. <laughs> I mean, that you know. No, but I mean. If you've not had a, a surgery and in the past you've never needed to and you don't, you you, you kind of, well. Yeah, well, view, I mean, Roger, Feder- Roger Federer was the same, wasn't he? I'm, sh- I'm sure he was very um, high-minded about his body, Federer. I mean, it was a huge thing for him to deign to have surgery, wasn't it? Because he was the, he was the physically impenetrable man that, you know, doesn't sweat and doesn't get injured and you know is just generally sort of this perfect physical specimen so yeah no i i i i get that feeling i just don't get that it's it's sort of coming from a place of you know bodies just heal themselves so let's you know not embrace any kind of modern medicine so let's talk to the man who conducted that interview with novak djokovic in a car not the most usual place to be conducting an interview simon how, how did how did it go yeah well it does sometimes go like that because they try and book uh, a lot, lot of activities into a media day um and then you know they tend to run out of time because things never quite stay on schedule and then you know the transport back to the hotel is an opportunity to chat i mean in fact uh I remember reading um, a bit of parenting advice somewhere that said that if you want to talk to your kids about difficult subjects, doing it in the car while you're kind of driving somewhere is quite a good way um, because it's sort of there's something quite neutral about the space. Um, I guess you're all facing the same direction for one thing. Uh, whether that applies to a sporting interview, I don't know, but I felt like he, you know, he definitely engaged with the questions well, and it turned out quite interestingly. Yeah, it did. Uh, I mean. Th- in those two clips that we've just heard, he he was he was really open. I, I, I surprisingly so for me that the the words that he he gave about um, the particularly the, um, the the elbow surgery that he had the the guilt that he felt. I mean, it, I think you told me separately that that you weren't even going down that line of questioning initially, and he sort of offered it. Yeah, I was going to say to him. Uh, was there a day, you know, during the lean times when, because you're such a clean living fella, you know, did you actually have a day when you, you know, you hit the bar or you, you know, 
you you stuffed your face with um, pork scratchings or you know <laughs> so, so something just a little bit less um, kind of uh, holistic and and uh, generally spiritual was there. Did you ever fall off the, the, the Novak wagon? I was going to ask that. <laughs> but he, he, when, I, when I started the question, I, I, I said, was there ever a time when you, and he said, regretted the operation? I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so we went, we went down that route instead. So I never actually did ask the question about the port scratchings. <laughs> so, I mean, how, how did you find him generally as company? Because, I mean, that's a couple of minutes worth of his time that we've just heard there. But I mean, you've written you've written a big piece about this uh, that people can read online now on the Telegraph website. Uh, it'll also be in in the newspaper tomorrow for most people. Are certainly on Saturday, it'll be in Saturday's newspaper. And you spent a, a good half an hour with him. What what? How did you find him and and the people around him? What what is he what does he like to spend time with? Well, you have to put in a bit of uh, effort to get to him. He hasn't done many interviews. You know, there was an ESPN one in the summer. I don't think he's done a newspaper interview for a bit. Um, maybe there might have been a Lekeep one perhaps this month. Um, but anyway, there aren't many of them to be going around. So you need to sort of chase the team uh, who are quite, you know, they're, they're, they're nice people. Um, his manager, Eduardo Artaldi, who was a challenger player you know, a long time ago, and uh, Elena is his, his press secretary, and um, you know, they're, they're pretty good to deal with, but they don't always necessarily have anything they can offer you. If he's, if he's saying, I don't want to do stuff, then that's the way it goes. Um, but on this instance, you know, I've been chasing him for about 18 months, I think. So I finally got the interview, and obviously it coincided with an upswing, which may be why I got the interview. Um, and it's worked out well. I mean, he's on Jonathan Ross this weekend, isn't he? So uh, he's going into the O2 as, as the, very much the man of the moment. Um yeah, he, he seemed in good spirits. I mean, I, I think I've done four Novak interviews now. So, you know, I think uh, he kind of knows what he's going to get. He's, uh, I don't know, maybe you're probably confident I'm not going to ask him uh, anything that's, that's really kind of in his face. Maybe I should, I don't know. But uh, I, yeah, I try and keep it professional. And, um, and you know, when I see him around the, the, the courts and stuff, he always says hello. So... I guess I've got to know him a little bit, um, but I, I think he's a—he's an interesting, but but a slightly uh, can be quite a slight, a, a bit of a baffling character in the sense that you, I mentioned in the piece, you know, that he has a number of personas, and and you almost don't know which one you're going to encounter on any div- given day. Mm, yeah, I, I actually I think I remember the first time you requested an interview with him was via Twitter. I remember him. Oh, re- yeah. Didn't he read a piece of yours and like <laughs> That's it? That's right. And you said. Would this be a good, a good time to, to ask for an, oh, interview? an interview? Yes. So if people want to go and read this, they can do so on, on the Telegraph website and in the paper tomorrow. And you've got a, a supplement as well, haven't you? Ahead of the O2, a, a bigger section of the paper just about tennis. Yeah, so it's just the O2 um, pull out eight, eight pages and uh, the Novak interview is leading it. And then on the back, uh, Jamie Murray is... Uh, doing a five-point uh, guide for things to watch at the doubles tournament. And uh, we've also got Charlie Eccleshare writing a piece on uh, 10 years at the O2, um, which Excellent. has come around pretty quick, hasn't it's it? It's hard to so, believe um, that, isn't it? 10 yeah. years, my goodness. Well, that would be a good read. And and people who want to read it on the website, do they have to log in or anything? Do they have to pay? Well, I haven't actually asked. I, I think it's um, it's been up for a few hours. I assume it's going to be premium content. Now, I would just like to do a little plug here for the Telegraph and say that you don't have to 
give any money in order to read premium articles, but you do have to put your email address in. Okay. And then and then you get a certain number. I mean, it's a sort of similar sort of operation to the one that the New York Times do and stuff, where you get a limited number of articles. So you you can register if you're if you if you're hitting the paywall. Obviously, if you've been reading other stuff without um, subscribing, which is the next level up, then you'll you'll not be able to read it. But you can register and read it on that basis without paying. Good to know. I will do. Right, Simon. I'll see you at the O2. Okay. Thanks. So there's Simon Briggs, who was with Novak Djokovic, Catherine. Interesting that he got to spend this time with him. What, what did you make of, of what he, what Simon had to say there? Well, I make that as much as he got a clearly got a great interview out of him. Um, I now am, um, I now am missing the 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 question and answer that never was about the pork scratchings. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I want to know the answer to that question. Okay. Yes, the actual answer he got about, you know, the regrets about surgery and everything. Brilliant, brilliant answer. Great, gr- incredibly insightful that Djokovic offered it without it even being asked. But I might have preferred to hear the port scratchings answer. I, I really genuinely want to know whether he... Because if he doesn't ever have a day where he just wants pizza, I, d- I don't understand that. On he, he does level. like pizza. He his, is made his of parents different materials the pizza parlour, didn't they? But he has to have well, yeah. gluten-free pasta pizza now uh i tell you should so are you telling me that one of the tasks that we've got for grad matt at the o2 is to send him into a press conference and ask do you eat pork scratchings does he never just have an all bets are off day Mm. yeah right okay we're doing that we're doing that at the o2 (laughs) grad matt do you accept your mission i don't mean just like treating yourself to one you know sugar-free chocolate made of dates no, I don't mean that. You mean just <laughs> I mean, a complete and I mean utter. an all bets are off day. Right. Yeah. Okay. Just a feast of fat. Okay. I think Americans call it cheat day. Cheat day. But cheap that makes day. me feel okay. a bit ill. So. Right. I have quite a few of those. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, that's uh, Novak Djokovic. You'll be able to see and hear about him at the O2 Arena this next week. We have also, as we've been saying, have had the next-gen ATP finals over the last uh, week. Let's talk to a man that has been in Milan, Charlie Eccleshare of The Telegraph. Charlie has been seeing those players up close. So, Charlie, which of them stood out to you? Well, I, I thought it was interesting um, just just seeing them all together. Um, you know, on the first day, we had all, all eight of them sat together. And just watching the dynamics was very interesting. Um, so, Tiafo everyone loves his energy he's you know he's constantly joking and laughing around and it feels like he's going to be someone who's going to be there or thereabouts I think he'll you know he'll be a mainstay of the top 30 top 20 um and I think his energy will make him a really appealing personality within the game playing wise I think Sitsipas and Demonor looked a real cut above um which their rankings would suggest they would and just looking at the way certainly Sitsipas carried himself amongst the other group he you know we've spoken about this before he, he is very different and uh you know on the first day a few of them were there kind of in their leisure wear and he was there in a kind of felt jacket and patterned shirt and just kind of looking like this rock star um and he kind of carried himself that way on the court as well you know it did feel credit to him because he could easily have gone down the Shapovalov route or, or obviously Zverev and said you know this wasn't really for him but he uh, instead has played and Thus far, this may be outdated, and I may look very silly uh, when listeners hear this. But he looked, he looked a real cut above. Um, 
you know, really stamped his authority. Uh, and I would say him and Dimonor look like the ones who are going to be, you know, really pushing the top of the game. Let's put you on the spot, Charlie. Will Stefanos Tsitsipas be at the O2 next year? Oh, I would say absolutely, yeah. And and actually, that, that just gives me uh, an idea I had. I talked about last year, I thought it would be great if uh, the winner of the next gen could then be the alternate at the O2. But what I was thinking would be an amazing competition. And I know that the absolute last thing men's tennis needs is another uh, team competition, but would be a Labour Cup-style event, but you've got the best 21 and under players against the best 22 and overs. Because I think seeing all of them as a group would be so compelling. Even just seeing them on that first day all together was, was really exciting and energising. And I just think all of that group and the Chuck Zverev in as well, theoretically, you know, and he's still of that age. Um, I think that would be really magical and a really great way of introducing those next geners uh, to a broader audience. Excellent. Never going to happen, but I think it'd be good fun. Dads against lads. Uh, <laughs> trademark <laughs> exactly. Charlie Eccleshire. Right, Charlie. Well, I'll <laughs> right see you at the O2. You'll definitely be there. I'll see you in a few days' time. Yeah, I'll see you then. Cheers. So, Catherine, uh, we've got Stefanos Tsitsipas and Alex Dimonor looking the deal. They're in the semi-finals. I agree with Charlie, don't you, about how 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 they look. They are making the transition. They will be forces next year, don't you think? Yeah, it, it, very interesting to to hear him so emphatically say that they're a cut above um, because they're not even sort of were two of the older competitors, are they? Um in the, the next-gen finals field. Both of them will be eligible at least next year as well. Plus, I think Diminar is eligible for another couple of years um, if the next-gen finals continues that long. Um, I The the only surprise package for me um, really has been uh, May Munar, who I didn't know much about at all. Um, I don't think he's in the Diminar um, sits a pass category, but he has, you know, had some moments where he's surprised me a little and um, I've s- sat up and taken note he has he's sort of a very consistent player but also has these flashy moments a bit like Djokovic does I mean he's he's not like Djokovic in that you know Djokovic is brilliant um but in that sort of consistency with odd peaks of brilliance here and there uh he is um but yeah, I expect it to be a sit to pass to win all final and I expect it to pass to win isn't that a bold prediction mm. No, it's pretty what we pretty much what we thought at the start of the event. But but I I just really like the way those two are g- going about their business, and not just falling over the finish line exhausted and looking as though their heart's not in it. They've gone to this thing. There's no ranking points available. Yes, there's big money, but I get this, the sense that they are making a real statement to themselves, to the world that this is them moving forwards and it's going to carry on. So don't get in my way. Uh, I, I just think they've got a great attitude, those two. I completely agree. Great attitude. And, you know, the the way you hear Zverev talk about the, the next-gen finals, it does sort of imply that he feels now and has felt for quite a long time, really, of course, he didn't play last year, that, that the event is beneath him. And look, you know, in rankings terms, he's right. He's qualified for the O2 the last two years. It has been a bit beneath him, but I think he perhaps could have been a, a bit better at disguising that feeling of superiority. Um, and I think it's to particularly Sitsipas, I think, to his great credit that he's rocked up there um, and he's using it as a really big stepping stone. He sees it as a stepping stone towards something, a... a, a 
step on the road to where he sees himself getting. And I, I, I think he has as high expectations of himself as as Verev does. I just think he's managing it all perhaps a, a bit better. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I've enjoyed watching him this year. Uh, really, uh, he's really surprised me how good he is and how quickly he's making the transition to to the top of the game. He just looks the business. So, hopefully, that carries on. Um, I've enjoyed watching him. Right, Catherine, uh, I, I'm going to go and, uh, and and get packed up because I'm going to be at the O2 for BBC Radio Five Live over the next uh, week. Uh, we'll be commentating on all the evening matches from the O2. Um, we will be trying to bring you regular tennis podcasts daily if we can. Maybe we can't. We've never tried this before, but we have been kick-started by our listeners at the start of 2018 to produce dailies at the Grand Slams. We've managed to do that. We've done more than 60 of those. We've done more than 100 podcasts in total. And it's because of the backing that you've all been able to give us. We're going to be running another Kickstarter in December of this year, leading up to the Australian Open, to try to fund our 2019 season. And we're going to give it a go at trying to produce podcasts from the O2 Arena. We'll also be at the Davis Cup final as well, producing daily podcasts from there. So, Catherine, I hope you've got plenty to say. (laughs) We're going to be talking a lot. I'm going to do a Shapovalov and end my season early due to exhaustion. What am I going to do? That's like a doubles <laughs> partnership. You're going to do a sit to pass and go to all those events yeah. with a great attitude and rock it. That's right. Bring it on. Right, <laughs> Catherine Whitaker, myself, David Law, Grad Matt, Charlie Eccleshare, Simon Briggs, we'll be all bringing you what we can. We are the team, the tennis podcast team. And uh, we are executive produced as well by Melanie Bowes, Triple S, tennisballs.com. Charlie the Ferret is our mascot. We're sponsored by La Manga Club. We're going to be back in a couple of days and we'll speak to you then. 